This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey everybody, thank you very much for tuning in to The Bonfire Podcast this week. Once again... Let me begin by sharing with you who I will be voting for in 2016. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to say, allow me to share another movie review with you all, with you people. You people who hopefully agree with me that there's a bit too much politics in our lives. Not just because it is an election year, but in general, there are enough people talking about it, bitching about it, arguing and really getting nowhere. So that's why we avoid it. Let's talk about something more more interesting and important. Important to remember, because this week's movie review is Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge, directed by Mel Gibson, got an 8.7 on IMDb, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a bonfire recommendation approval, double whammy, for everyone to go see. Uh, it comes out, let's see, November 4th. I managed to go get a, a pre-screening uh, opportunity. I went and watched it. It's a little over two hours. That's a, that's a moderate length for a movie. You know, I always say 90 minutes to two hours is the sweet spot. That's uh, always a good, respectable length for a movie that can still maintain my attention. I don't get bored with it or irritated when my butt doesn't hurt from sitting down for so long. No, that's a good length. That's the proper time that a movie should be that being said i believe this is the first movie that mel gibson has directed since the passion of the christ and then before that we all know him of course from braveheart and lethal weapon all those good movies what women want that's <laughs> also another that's a funny movie right there i don't care who you are that's funny right there for hacksaw ridge this is the world war ii i guess it's sort of a biopic let me just read with the uh what the summary here says, in case you aren't familiar with it, because Bonfire does recommend that you go see it November 4th. The true story of Private First Class Desmond Doss, who won the Congressional Medal of Honor despite refusing to bear arms during World War II on religious grounds. Doss was drafted and ostracized by fellow soldiers for his pacifist stance, but went on to earn respect and adoration for his bravery, selflessness, and compassion after he risked his life without firing a shot to save 75 men in the Battle of Okinawa. So this is the Pacific Theater, World War II. 
and a private, someone who minding his business in Virginia, just your average American citizen, knowing full well the Japanese attacked us in Pearl Harbor, and of course we're in the middle of fighting Germany, and lots of young brave men decide to stand up and say, we're going to fight for our country, we can't just sit here. So Doss here, played by Andrew Garfield, who we know from the latest Spider-Man reboots. I only saw the first one, and I don't really remember very much of it. I'm not sure what else he's in. I don't really see Garfield in a whole lot of... Andrew Garfield (laughs) in a whole lot of uh, movies. But anyway, I thought he actually did a great job in this movie. I was very pleasantly surprised. He should certainly, I believe, get nominated. And so should uh, director Mel Gibson for the movie. Uh, With that being said... Yeah, it's very it's very emotional. <laughs> and the last half of the movie where you see them um, at Hacksaw Ridge, that is the, the ridge on Okinawa, that they are trying to storm and take from the Japanese. It is a very bloody situation. One of the bloodier movies I've ever seen. I've seen Braveheart, Gladiator, The Walking Dead. What else have I seen that's violent? I mean, there's Hostage with Bruce Willis, there's Die Hard, there's some general violence in movies. But in terms of gore, I saw The Kingdom of Heaven, which I didn't think was that good back in the day. So like I said, Gladiator and Braveheart, all old sword, bow and arrow, raw violence. This one was a bit different. And of course, we've seen Walking Dead. That's a whole other story because it's all zombies and people are, or the zombies of The Walking Dead are decomposing. This is a bit more emotional, naturally. Maybe that's why it was so gut-wrenching, is because you're watching and knowing, yeah, that, <laughs> that happened. You know, that's what war is. Walking Dead is just fictional, and you're like, okay, these are zombies, who cares? No big deal. But when you're watching a World War II movie detailing actual events, and you know full well in war, this is what happens. People's legs do get blown off. People get shot in the face. They get stabbed. I mean, really gross, really gory. Like I said, gut-wrenching. So you're sitting there watching it, thinking, oof, holy crap. Not only is it just, it's raw for you to see, but like I said, you're thinking about, no, these were actual soldiers. These were people who did go through this. That happened. So that that makes it, you know, hit hit you a little harder. You watching these American soldiers blown up, shot, stabbed. Ugh. It hurts. It really does. I thought the movie did a good job of portraying the Japanese also as victims of war. Now, of course, it's very easy in these movies to take the American side, as we should, because the uh, Japanese Empire did attack us first. And they did want domination. So we needed to kick their ass, and we did. So, it's easy to be caught up in the moment in the movie, whatever movie you're watching, and be rooting for, you know, your country. They're just actors, though. But you're sitting there, and you're watching it, and when you're seeing all the Japanese or the Nazis being shot and blown up and destroyed, you're you're chanting and going like, Yeah, buddy, that's why! And getting really excited about it, as as disturbing as that might be. But they're still human beings. And that is what war is. It's human beings killing human beings. And that's the that's what's so sad about it. Yes, there are enemies, and yes, there are bad people. But ultimately, it's just 
human beings all slaughtering one another. Uh, we're certainly justified, America was, in World War II, but it's still rough to see, to realize, yeah, holy crap, everybody's killing everybody. It is not a pretty picture. So the movie, uh, it didn't focus on that, but there were a few particular scenes that I thought, oh, okay, they're trying to humanize the Japanese, which, yes, they are. They were still human. Uh, much more, you know, far gone and disturbed and evil than the Americans were, for sure. But it was still important to realize it's like the Civil War. It's how I've always thought of it as well. The North fighting the South. Good versus evil. Yeah. But it's still human beings killing one another. Brother against brother. Okay. Americans killing Americans. So, Americans killing Japanese? Yes. But, yeah, it's not trying to sound pacifist or new age. Peace, man. Uh, but no. Everyone's slaughtering one another. That's rough. It is War is a necessary evil. It's, I don't think that phrase fits uh, any better. Necessary evil. America minding its business. Notices in Europe what's going on and says, I think we need to get involved. Not really sure what the Nazis are doing. Can't just sit here. And then, of course, when we're over there, we get stabbed in the back by the Japanese. And we think, oh, great. Let's go to the other side of the world now and fight a whole nother war at the same time. That is a justified war. Saving Europe and then retaliating against Japan. Putting them in their place because they took our innocent lives. Yes. But war is a necessary evil. Human beings were definitely killed. Civilians, Japanese civilians, were definitely killed. So were Americans, okay? It's rough. It's nasty. And it's terrible. But sometimes you just gotta... You gotta do it. That is what Desmond Doss here... He was a Seventh-day Adventist, I believe. Him, him saying, I don't want to kill, but I do want to serve. So I want to uh, join the ranks, play my part, and be the medic. I want to save as many lives as I can. He knew full well that most of the soldiers, most of the American soldiers, would be there to kill. Okay, well that, that's needed. It's a necessary evil. You need to have the American soldiers just going around and killing the enemy soldiers. You're supposed to. It's called war. It's the way it works. We're justified going over there and uh, destroying the Japanese Empire. But regardless, Desmond Doss said, I don't want to take a human life. I just don't. So how can I contribute under my beliefs? Oh, I can be a medic. So he pursued that. The uh, uh, military, U.S. military, had a problem with that for a while. He eventually kind of went to military court and resolved it. And they said, all right, well, you can run into battle without a gun if you want. I guess that's your right. So good luck. And, of course, all of his fellow soldiers were pretty pissed, saying, guess what? You're going to make our lives more difficult. We're going to have to protect you, and you can't protect yourself. You are now a burden to us. Uh, of course, though, that's not how it played out in the story. Story, which is true, he saved them. <laughs> he didn't need a gun. Now, I wouldn't want all of our American soldiers to be the same way, like, oh, we're all just going to go over there, and uh, we're just going to save lives. No. That's what medics are for. So, Doss did very well by choosing to just be a medic and say, all right, I'll just focus on saving people. And he did. So, that's great. But I personally would not have done that. I absolutely would have carried a gun. Because that would be needed for self-defense. Because if I'm about to be shot, I'd like to be able to defend myself so that I can continue to save my fellow American soldiers to the best of my ability. So, you know, his own religious objections him choosing not to uh, 
carry a gun and use it and kill people. Fair enough. Whatever. That's your right. The rest of the soldiers did their part. They all did their part. Those who killed and those who saved. Um, so, in yes, I like the movie very much. Hacksaw Ridge, directed by Mel Gibson. It's got a great uh, score, good music. I thought it was shot very well. Uh, there was actually a lot of green screen. I, you can tell. You can definitely tell nowadays when you're like, eh, okay, you're not actually in that field. You're just kind of, well, you're not actually on the top of that little mountain there. You're just on the green screen. Whatever. If you know, ignore those little details and you just watch the acting and the story and what it's trying to represent and share and remind you of... I always love World War II movies. That is definitely the greatest generation. I've said that before for like the Anthropoid movie review and... Um, I think that's all I've given in, in terms of reviews. But World War II movies are great like that. They just remind you, yeah, see those guys? See those Americans? They were the ones who kicked ass and came home. Okay, And the ones who didn't make it home... They sacrificed so that we could be here to just do our thing and be free. Wake up every day in comfort. So, uh, Desmond was injured. He saw a lot of stuff over there. Lots of dead people, mutilated people, but he did his duty. So we should be proud of him. I believe he died in 2006. Uh, Desmond Doss. Definitely an emotional movie. Makes you think. And this is a discussion worth having. That's why I like these movies. So you, so you can go back to your friends and family and watch it yourself, and hopefully watch it with them, and then say, hey, Bob. Bob, how you doing today? Hey, okay, I, let, let, me, let me talk to you about something serious here. Uh, would you go into the heat of battle without a weapon? Okay. You can have those kinds of discussions and go back and forth and say, well, should we even be in, this, in that war where we're killing other people? And you think, yes. Okay, well, should we have dropped the bomb on Hiroshima? And, uh, okay, well, go back and forth. It's all in the past. You can't change it, of course. But here's a movie that can kind of incite those debates. Those are important issues. <laughs> to be like, well, should we just drop a nuclear bomb on these people, whether they're civilians or not, and maybe just try to end this war and then save some lives, or should we try to invade and then try to apply it in today's world? Well, should we go over to the Middle East and do X, Y, Z, or should we be even over there? What are we going to do about North Korea? Whatever. That's what's great about stories, movies, books, TV shows. If they're done well then you can try to relate them to today into your personal life and say, well, that character did this. How would I do that? If I were in that situation, what would I do? Makes for great conversations. We're all looking for the truth. Help one another debate these things and talk about it. Those are deep conversations, and those are good conversations. I don't think anybody should really be talking about, hey, did you see the latest uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Screw you, stupid reality TV. Bull. There are much better things for you to watch and spend your time on, okay? So, Bonfire recommends you go see Hacksaw Ridge and decide for yourself if Desmond did the right thing following his beliefs to such a hardcore, you know, stance that was he risking the lives of his fellow soldiers and were they consequently needlessly risking theirs in order to protect him who didn't have a gun or did he do the right thing? Should we be more like that? Whatever. Y'all decide. Y'all talk. And have fun with it. Bonfire recommended. Hacksaw Ridge. Go see it November 4th. This is the Bonfire. On demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. 
Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Time for a quick book review, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast very briefly. It's called Love Languages. I 2016 is all about... You know, self-discovery. Bonfire has recommended everybody who's listening and, you know, following along online to make 2016, now that it's almost over, I hope you made it the year of self-discovery. Find out more about yourself, what makes you tick, the things you enjoy, the things that you don't like, your temperament, your personality type, your love languages, your sleep schedule. It's called Chronotype. I've mentioned that here before, that book review. You know, The Power of When your specific sleep cycles and the categories that people fall into. Sleep is important, <laughs> okay? I like all these kinds of theories that just try to, not pigeonhole people, but put them in some category. You know, we're obviously more than just any label. We're more than the sum of our parts. But it still helps you think of yourself in a different way. And help you understand, oh, well, that's why I did that. Maybe. Oh, that's why my reaction is most of the time like this. I enjoy all that stuff. It's interesting, but I think also very helpful in order for you to understand yourself and get along with others. That's what I'm trying to do. I do want us all to get along. As cheesy as that sounds, it's still true. It's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman and... I think he has several different books for like different times in your life. Now, the one I bought, the one I had, it's called the Five Love Languages Singles Edition. Now, I think there's ones for like the military, there are ones for married couples, and there are ones for, I don't know. He definitely had a few versions that were more geared towards certain parts of society and life. So I chose the single edition. But the five love languages to help you just get along with others. They are words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, receiving gifts, and acts of service. What does this mean? Let's let the book tell us. Although originally crafted with married couples in mind, the love languages have proven themselves to be universal. Whether it's dating relationships, parents, coworkers, or friends, Understanding your unique love language and that of others can significantly improve your relationships. The premise is simple. Different people with different personalities express love in different ways. Therefore, if you want to give and receive love most effectively, you got to learn to speak the right language. This is to help you look at your neighbor, your wife, your coworkers, your parents, and say, okay, Samantha here tells me that her love languages are quality time and physical touch like the two primary ones, that tells you, hey, she'll know that you love her 
when you spend quality time with her. That's what's most important to her. That's how she feels loved when people give her quality time and physical touch. Then you look at yourself and you say, well, actually, I really appreciate acts of service and receiving gifts. So when people do things for you, you feel loved. You really appreciate it. When people give you gifts, you think just the world of them. And you say, oh, my God, they love me. And I love you. It's great. And it's funny. I like how he, this, this, this concept of his, Gary Chapman, saying, okay, there seems to be about maybe five different ways to express love. And you can give it and you can get it. So what's important is you know spreading this word and like getting this quick little book. All right, let me see how many pages it is. Actual reading looks like 200 pages. All right, not too bad. And the font generally pretty large. It's an easy read, not super complicated. And I do encourage. It is a bonfire recommended book to just share with the people in your life and read it yourself. Get that concept in your head. How what do you appreciate from another human being? Whether it's, you know, your coworker, your brother, or your husband. Then once you know that, then you can just tell them. You can just say, hey, I always appreciate it when people give me words of affirmation. Therefore, you love positive feedback when people tell you, hey, good job. And they, you know, genuinely mean it. Obviously, you'll be able to see right through them if that's your love language because that's like me. Words of affirmation. I can tell when people are BSing and they're just full of it and they're flattering me. I'm not looking for flattery. I'm looking for genuine, positive optimism and feedback regarding myself. Okay, That's what makes me feel loved is when someone can kind of read between the lines and tell me something and I say, wow, that was genuine. I could tell. That took some thought. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That makes me feel good. Then I can know other friends, other family members, and be like, oh, I know that you really appreciate acts of service. Okay. Well, then you know what? Next Saturday, why don't I help you uh, clean out the garage? You know, you know, you've been telling me for a while now. You've been trying to get it done. I'll tell you what. I'll offer up my morning to come over and help you out. To that person, they'll think the world of you. And they'll say, oh, my God, thank you. You are so kind. That means a lot to me. You'll say, yeah, I know. <laughs> because your love language is acts of service. That is how you want love to be expressed to you. So, yes, it's uh, give and take. There's uh, typically whatever one you prefer to receive is also the one you're naturally going to try to give. But, you know, that's where the disconnect can be. I personally love quality time and words of affirmation. It'd be wrong for me to assume that everybody else in my life wants that as well. So even though it's important to me, if I give quality time to someone but no gifts, that person may have a problem with me. They may say, you never buy me anything. You never, you never seem so thoughtful to take me out and, you know, Buy me some food or something like that. That can be a, a gift. You bought them dinner. You bought them a, a, a new video game. Whatever. To whatever individual that may be, you may be like, I, th I thought I was giving you all the love in the world. They'd say, well, I didn't feel it. That's fair. Everybody feels it a different way and wants it a different way. So it's important to ask and kind of try to gauge what they want and what love means to them. And then you're more able to fulfill that and be there for them and vice versa and then it just keeps going round and round and round everybody can help one another and love one another and uh isn't that what we all want mm, ways to get along and find ways to come together i argue that we can come together through cultural talk let's talk about movies music food and travel find the people in your life that like those certain topics 
engage them on that level. And then, through this little book, Five Love Languages, try to ascertain, oh, what is this guy kind of feeling? He keeps telling me that he loves to travel and uh, spending time with his buddies when he, uh, you know, goes out of state and goes to all these concerts. But then he doesn't have a lot of stuff in his house. He seems, he seems like a minimalist like that. But he's always trying to do something and he's always with people. Okay, I think that'd be fair to say he likes quality time. That quality time he's spending with other people, that's what makes him feel loved. For the girl, the girl who has, you know, any number of things in her apartment... But she's very physical. She's very touchy. She hugs all of her girlfriends. She hugs her parents and kisses everybody. And she's very flirtatious with you. You could say, okay, maybe hers is physical touch. She's, that's how she bonds with another human being. And that's how she's trying to reach out. You got to notice those things. So that's really all I can say about it. <laughs> you, you just got to read the book yourself and de- decide for yourself, who am I? What do I want? And then, oh, what does a, what does a Jimmy over there want? <laughs> Jimmy. That's the first name that came to mind. That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. Bonfire recommended. Five love languages. Go get it. The Bonfire. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. A great article on The Guardian that I found the other day. (laughs) It's called... Shh! How the cult of quiet can change your life. Notice that? Yeah. Nice little pause. Because silence is golden. I do believe that. It's ironic that I'm telling you verbally and audibly on a podcast that silence is good. Silent retreats, silent restaurants, and even silent dating events are on the rise. Now there's a new film, quietly, trying to spread the word. That film is called In Pursuit of Silence. There it is. In Pursuit of Silence, a meditative film about our relationship with noise. It goes on to say that silence means different things to different people. It can be a space for quiet reflection, or it's a state just fraught with discomfort, and it's uncomfortable and it's terrible. There's a certain intimacy inherent in being silent with other people. We usually only do that with those closest to us. So there's something almost radical about this recent trend for enjoying silence with strangers. You know, the silent dating. Silent retreats. Silent restaurants. Now, I, half the time, actually do go to restaurants by myself. My schedule is unique enough, and so are, you know, my parents and friends and family in my life that it's hard for me to get together with them. And I gotta eat. So I'll either go get the food and go home, sit and eat it, or I'll be at the restaurant if need be, and I'll just sit there. I'm okay with that. That certainly takes a little bit of effort, and I wasn't comfortable when I first started it a few years ago. It's definitely a learned skill, because in today's society, there is a lot of noise. There's always the radio on, the TV, 
Everybody's got their earbuds in. You're on the phone or you're texting. You're occupied. So much technology. All that jazz. And it's very alluring. I'm Hell, I'm in the media. I know. Okay, it's my job, for God's sake. But when I go home, I will turn off the TV. You know, maybe if I've watched a little bit of TV. I will end my night with some music and my book. Eventually, I say, all right, that's enough reading. And that's enough music. I'll go shower, brush my teeth, pray, meditate. Just kind of take a deep breath and let the day go. Yes, that is difficult. But I found, and this article goes on to suggest, yeah, people should be doing that more often. Just unwind at the end of the day. Look for opportunities to be quiet because now it's such a novelty. Try just a couple minutes in pure silence by yourself. See how that goes. And if you're uncomfortable, well then that should tell you something. You shouldn't be uncomfortable in the silence by yourself. Now, if there's other people in the room, yes, of course, we want to talk and socialize. That's great. But like the article just said, we're usually only okay with those silences if it's around the people that we know. That's called comfort. Sometimes it's pretty awkward if you're sitting in a restaurant. Or hell, it's like a, let's make it a, a family get-together, like Thanksgiving dinner. If everybody's quiet as can be, just eating their food, and you're hearing all the forks and knives clank on the dinner plates and... Yeah, I can understand why that's pretty awkward. You'd say, why is nobody talking? Nobody has anything interesting to say? Yeah. But you think you'd be comfortable enough around your family. So I just liked how this article on The Guardian is saying that there's there's this, not uprising, but there's this new trend of just the silent restaurants. And then we all, most of us should know about silent retreats, okay? It's very monastic, okay? Like the monks go run away to a mountain or a forest somewhere and just keep quiet for the weekend. Don't talk. You can read, you can walk, you can hike, eat, sleep, do whatever, but just don't talk, okay? And then turn off your phone or leave it in the car, or leave it at home, wherever. Get away for a little bit. Go out into the wilderness, into nature. Get away from society for a day or two. It's not the end of the world, okay? You'll be right back before you know it. I think you'll realize how refreshing that can actually be because humanity does not live in the forest anymore <laughs> okay we're not out in the wilderness we're all usually in suburbia we are surrounded at least in america by technology and people and civilization getting away every now and then is good being quiet every now and then is good okay don't feel bad don't feel awkward about it give it a shot i think you might be surprised Let's find a good little paragraph here. All right. Regular speed dating sessions and single events feature, and this is something that's going on apparently. I don't know what it's, what it's called. Let me see if I can find it here. There's something called nonverbal flirting games, eye gazing, neatly sidestepping all this. What are you watching on Netflix questions? Okay, so that's the concept of this silent dating. Nonverbal flirting games, eye gazing, and it's supposedly a favorite among creative professionals in their 20s and 30s. Oh, it's called Shh. That's what it's called. <laughs> Shh boasts a busy program of events until the end of the year. Sessions begin with games to break the ice, including jumping around in front of potential mate and making paleolithic noises. Okay, that's kind of weird. <laughs> that is funny right there. Then comes a somewhat standard speed dating setup. Attendees are paired off for a limited window of time, communicating only with gestures before engaging in 60 seconds of uninterrupted eye contact. After the event, 
You're dutifully furnished with the contact details of interested parties, and if you're lucky enough for a second date, you can maintain the established embargo on chit-chat and take them away for a silent dinner or a mute trip to the pictures. All right. So there's a little bit of a gung-ho moment of just, hey, let's do super silence all the time. This article does explain as well that you can do that kind of silent speed dating initially where you're just kind of looking at one another and trying to communicate non-verbally through your body language, which, yes, I've talked about body language here before also. I believe it's something like 80%, 90% of what you're saying you actually say in your body. And then there are the words you say and then the tone. But the most important piece is the body language. So I think you could be surprised what you could say without opening your mouth. I think that's an interesting concept. Uh, You don't even have to do it with uh, dating. You can just try it with your friends. Um, Sit with them in quiet or make it a stupid game. Say, hey, for let's see how quiet we can go. That reminds me. It's like in The Office. There was an episode where Jim and Dwight and everybody's losing their minds because they're like, oh, we've been quiet for like 12 minutes. This is the longest silence, you know, record we've ever had. And that was funny because we all live in today's world knowing, yeah, that never happens. There's always phones and talking and there's always noise. So let's make it a game. Make it a game to just see, hey, let's just see what happens. Let's sit here for 30 seconds before we all start talking at the dinner table. Silence is okay. It doesn't always mean it's awkward. It doesn't mean, oh, you have nothing interesting to say. No, I'm just sitting here quietly. There's nothing wrong with that either. All about that balance. So anyway, I thought this was uh, just an interesting article that's saying the the uprising of silence. It's coming in the... Shh, uh, silence. The cult of quiet can change your life. Okay. Well, not if you're, like, jumping around like a monkey making paleolithic noises. That's just weird. Okay. Some kind of fetish. So, no. Bonfire does not recommend that. Bonfire recommends that you, I don't know, shut your mouth every now and then. It's okay. Listening is a good thing. You don't always have to be yapping. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. What could that possibly... I don't know. I can't think of a scenario where this makes any sense other than maybe the FBI is just sick of all the criticism and sick of being told they're so politicized. So they open the investigation. At least it takes the heat off them until Hillary does become president in their eyes. And then it's like, come on, she's the president. What are we going to do? Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, on demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. And finally, to top off this week's episode, I wrote another little short story online. And I posted it on Medium. Uh, Medium, obviously the online publication where anybody can write anything. You can have your own little followership if you're a publication. Or you can just be your own individual and start writing. I really like it because it's simple simple formatting, and it's allowing the writer to just focus on his writing and not formatting and making the website look pretty, any of that kind of stuff like that. So it's not like a generic blog. It's easier for you to manage. I do like, as well, the app, which Bonfire recommends that you go get, because you can have any sort of themes and hashtags and whatever kinds of topics you want to follow. Put that in the phone, add it you know, to your profile, And then in the feed, that's the kind of stuff that'll come up. So, for example, I've mentioned before, Thought Catalog can have a lot of dirty material. So can BuzzFeed. Well, great. 
get the Medium app, and then you can subscribe to the kinds of stuff you'd like to see. And then once you start to kind of use it more often, you'll find the writers that you like and the publications that are interesting to you. And you say, okay, I really like these because they're sometimes, most of the time, legitimate thoughts. These aren't clickbait. These aren't trashy listicles. Um, the stuff I subscribe to, and that's why I do it, is I'm looking for real thoughts from real people who sit there and think, what do I want to say today? What's my evidence? What kind of research can I include in this article? They take time and effort into it. They're crafting it, and they're serious. So that's when I'm looking for some serious writing and some legitimate thoughts with intelligence. Then, yes, medium is where I go. So here is my short story. Tell me what you think. I'll, uh, I'll have to share it online as well. And uh, it's just it's like a two-minute read, super short. But it was just an idea that I had, and I thought, wow, I really want to take a stab at this, and we'll see what happens. Here's what it's called. Into the Wasteland. Joseph had waited a long time for this, and it was finally here. All the years of planning, researching, and personal financing were about to pay off. His entire body was shaking with an unsettling combination of excitement and nausea. He had actually found himself unwittingly holding his breath for too long that he nearly fainted. The culmination of all of his hard work was just a few feet away beyond a pane of glass. Just beyond the protective glass was a rare species of plant life. <laughs> Encephalotaurus woody, to be exact. Joseph had successfully discovered this rare cycad in the frozen tundra of Antarctica a few days ago and brought it back to base camp to be examined. A hell of a story it was how he got it, too. Once thought practically extinct in the natural world, Joseph stood alone in his belief that a specimen could be found once again in the wild. For some inexplicable reason, this hunch compelled him on this frozen journey. All the evidence proved he was insane. All the funds were cleaned out, and he'd been abandoned at practically every corner. But while his desire to rid the world of numerous viral diseases certainly played a vital role, his decision to venture south wasn't so simple. Something was calling to him. He couldn't explain it. It just felt like the right thing to do, regardless of what everyone else thought. Once Dr. Lancaster had cleaned the room for him, Joseph quickly ran inside to begin his tests. As everyone else began filing out of the lab to go to bed, Joseph was finally just beginning his shift. He knew by morning he would discover all sorts of interesting data about his new Encephalotaurus woody, and ultimately one day discover cures for a whole host of ailments. Or so he thought. And there it is. So like I said, super short read. <laughs> it is, apparently it's called Flash Fiction. And it's super short stories. And I wouldn't call them moments of inspiration. This was definitely something I'd kind of wrap my mind around. I kind of wrote a, a loose outline for a whole series of short stories that I want to write. And this was just the first one that I came up with. Called Into the Wasteland. The main character here is called Joseph. And so far... All you know is a rare plant was discovered in Antarctica. His motivation is to cure the world of viral diseases. And he's about to get to work on it. He thought he was going to do a good job. Or so he thought. So there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning into the Bonfire Podcast this week. Uh, good, good range of topics, I think. Movie review, Hacksaw Ridge, highly recommended. Book review, The Five Lo Love Languages, highly recommended. And then this article, this concept about the cult of silence. Yeah, silence is okay. Silence is golden. Ironic coming from a podcast, but I will just ignore that. <laughs> Understand that 
You don't always have to be talking. Nobody does. It's better to listen than to just keep talking. With that being said, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and the main website, bonfirethoughts.com. Andrew Herzog, out! This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs>